May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free from harm. May all beings love life. May all beings awaken. Welcome to another Cuke Audio Podcast. I'm D.C. Poobah of Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives, doing our part to preserve the legacy of Shendu Suzuki and those whose paths cross his. And anything else that comes to mind, I pray that you and yours are safe and comfortable, free from economic hardship, and able to get out and do whatever it is you want within the limitations of the universal precept of do as little harm as possible. So uh, today we have a guest, one Lawrence Burns. Lawrence used to come to Tassajara when he was a kid with his mother, Marilyn McDonald. And Marilyn was fascinated with Tassajara history. And she created a scrapbook and made a, a, a Xerox copy of it, photocopy of it and for the office, Tassajara. And uh, that scrapbook, we ended up uh, putting together into a little book called A Brief History of Tassajara. And uh, uh, Lawrence Larry and I worked on it with Peter Ford and uh, Andrew Main. Uh, the ball got rolling with a guy called Mark Stromberg, who uh, digitized the book, scanned it, put it all together, uh, I think in uh, Microsoft Word, and did the first uh, draft of the book. Maryland's archives all ended up at UC Berkeley Bancroft Library. Uh, which we wish he hadn't done because then we couldn't get to them. So we couldn't rescan anything or maybe use something that wasn't in the uh, final uh, book she made. We did it exactly like pretty much, almost not exactly, but very, very close to the photocopy she'd made that, you know, was at Tassajara. She put Ten years of work into that book. Uh, lots of interviews, uh, lots of material, you know, looked into a lot. Uh, and uh, we are proud to have it as a Cuke Press book, the first Cuke Press book. Uh, now we don't have access to any of the other materials she acquired or anything. That's okay. We got enough. I am no fan of university archives, but I'm sure they will preserve things longer. But once they get in there, uh, uh, you know, it's hard to get to them. Anyway, we talk about all that uh, in the podcast. And uh, Larry's a professor now up in, way up in northern Michigan. So, uh, look. Let's just uh, give him a call after we've had our pause to meditate. So when you hear the bell, if you're of such a mind, hit pause and meditate or whatever for as long as you wish. And when you're through, hit unpause and we'll be there to hit the bell to end our meditation or whatever. And uh, we'll give Lawrence, Larry, Burns, a call.
Good evening or good morning. <laughs> yes, good evening and good morning. Hi, Larry. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. How are you? Okay, okay. Um, so uh, you are in your Eastern Standard Time in in Michigan? Yeah, we're right up against Lake Michigan, so we're the farthest um, west that you can go. If If it was a perfect world, we'd be in Chicago time. The line comes up like that, but they curve it to the lake, so... Oh. We end up being an Eastern Suicide, but it's just one of those geographical peculiarities. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So, um, so how are you doing, and and what are you up to uh, these days? Oh gosh, lots of good things. I mean, you know, overall, I'm busy at work. I I, I took on a um, a new prep, so the uh, honors college said we need a, a numerical literacy course, and I said, how about behavioral finance? Because um, we've wanted one for 20 years in the department, but we've never been able to hire a, you know, behavioral finance expertise kind of person. So they said, yeah, go for it. So I'm going to assemble a new course. It'll be winter of 24 when it first rolls out. So that's been kind of fun in a, in a intellectual exercise kind of way to really devour literature. I, I mean, I've been reading and ch- chasing investment ideas for 30 years, so it's nothing new. Um, but it's more formalized, so that's good. Um, and what is, what is this course again? Behavioral finance, which is really the integration of psychology and economics. And so it's the decision, decisions, kind of like Kahneman Tversky's work, um, thinking fast, thinking slow, um, different systems, the way in which the mind um, can use heuristics or shortcuts to its advantage in lots of circumstances, but when it comes to Financial decisions, as an exemplar, we often see people get hit with biases or, you know, where the algorithms don't work so well. They end up making choices which are less than optimal. But the argument would follow, um, you know, a lot of the economic theory was predicated on rational choice and best decisions and stuff like that. So the behavioral finance guys came in in about 20 years ago, really started picking up a lot of steam going you know, economic theory is predicated on, a, on an artificial um, perspective of how people actually make choices, especially under any kind of pressure. So they really started trying to dismantle the different kinds of bias, confirmation bias or um, self you know, um, self-fulfilling prophecy or any of those really some simplistic um, cognitive biases which interfere with people's abilities to make better decisions. And so that's the behavioral you know, finance kind of model. What do we do with irrational choices or less than optimal decisions? And so it's a, a field of, of inquiry that's it's still going pretty strong, but now it's, it's more from behavioral finance to neuroeconomics. Or There are some other phrases that are, people are trying to introduce that are even more molecular. I suppose looking at hormones or looking at um, other physiological characteristics that even allow us a, a different level of um, explanation for what gets between us and making good decisions. So wow. I like it. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, um, it, it, um, yeah, that's, that's dizzying. Uh, that, that was great. And well, so what you're a professor, right? Yes, I am. At at uh, what uh, university? Grand Valley State University. So Grand Valley is the location. There was a valley there. Sometimes you'll see Grand Valley. We're on the other side of the um, um, Grand River, which comes um, east, go it moves rolls westward across Michigan, and that it exits into Lake Michigan here in the Grand Haven. So. The Grand River runs through um, our town and actually runs through Grand Rapids as well. And you know, the University of Grand Valley is actually on the um, Grand River as well um, in Kent County. So, huh. <clears throat> Grand Valley State University. And and you're are you in northern Michigan, right? Well, it depends when you mean. So we're actually in sort of uh, there's the Upper Peninsula, which is. Um, sort of ensconced in Canada, um, if you go over the top of Michigan, you'd end up in Wisconsin. 
uh-huh. going through the UP, the Upper Peninsula. We're in the Lower Peninsula, and then we're about one third of the way up from the bottom, oh. if you will. So, oh. Oh. Mackinac Island and stuff, and the Mackinac Bridge and stuff, and at the very northern tip of this Lower Peninsula, and the Mackinac Bridge joins the Upper Peninsula with the Lower Peninsula. So it's kind of cool. Ah, ah, all right. But what you know, the reason I asked is there's a retired judge from northern Michigan uh, who uh, is a good friend of ours here in Bali. He he, he spends about three months a year here, and so I'm I was going to tell him where you lived. <laughs> and yeah, he'll know. <laughs> you think Grand Rapids, and he'll say, "Yep, I know where that is." <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well. Um, and what what type of professor are you? If you know, what what's your field? Yeah. Well, the way the system works, you kind of get launched with a general PhD in psychology, but uh, uh, the underlying training is in clinical psychology. So clinical psychology, I'm I'm a professor of clinical psychology and personality. Uh, if you will, uh-huh. those are my two areas of uh-huh. and health psychology under clinical is probably the Coping, stress and coping, wellness, psychological well-being, those sorts of pieces are the um, yeah. forms of this clinical PhD. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, just reviewing briefly, you know, stuff you've sent me in emails uh, in the last years, it, it seems like you're also really interested in literature, philosophy, um, Eastern thought. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. So I think some, some people have accused me of being the last Renaissance man, but I don't know if that's going to fit. <laughs> but yeah, so I do have a, a love of a wide range of amazing and interesting topics. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, good. Well, I think your students are lucky. Now, um, you, you and I... Uh, got involved in making uh, a brief history of Tassahara. Is that the name? Yeah, yeah a is. brief history of Tassahara, which um, uh, was based on, well, was uh, pretty religiously followed the uh, mm, scrapbook that your mother, Marilyn McDonald, uh, uh, McDonald, yeah. McDonald uh, Made who was a guest at Tassahara and uh, for years, and uh, she got interested in the history, and she did a great job. Oh my God, she interviewed all these people and got all these newspaper clippings and made an, a wonderful little scrapbook. And uh, wasn't little actually; it was pretty extensive scrapbook <laughs> yeah. uh, that she just left in the office at. Tassahara, I, I guess, uh, was there a, a copy at home? Um, there was, yeah, there was a, a um, I, I think I had the, you know, a, a binder version of the same thing. And then there were some handwritten notes and stuff, but she donated everything to the, to the Berkeley library. So, um, I actually didn't have like the photographs or anything. Everything is in a series of boxes that she donated to the Hastings library there at Berkeley. Yeah. So it's all there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm really against that because once things get in these college libraries, you can't get to them. <laughs> so easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were like, well, you could file a request to take a look at your, your, your mom's, you know, box is maybe. <laughs> I was like, well, that doesn't help me. So I know it's really, yeah. it's, I know it sounds good, but, um, uh, uh, when, uh, David Schneider did a biography of uh, Philip Whalen. Uh, he wasn't allowed to make photocopies of Whalen's material. Uh, yeah, at uh, I guess Bancroft Library, UC Berkeley, same thing. Uh-huh. Uh, he yeah. it just like make handwritten notes and stuff. So, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, and uh, you know my my approach. Um, which, uh, uh, you, your, and was yours. I mean, that's what we did was to make things available, uh, online and in, you know, yeah. in concrete paper form. Uh, and, uh, 
anyway, I, I'm sure that will evolve. <laughs> I don't know. Everything always evolves. Um, so, <laughs> so tell me, uh, how, how you, you, you knew people at Zen Center and you had some experience there. Can you, can you take me back as far back as you can remember how that all happened? Sure. You mean like the original introduction of me to Tassahara or the people that I knew there or Tate Street or like. Yeah, yeah. Where you can go back start? to your birth, man, if you have any uh, uh, <laughs> prenatal uh, yeah. uh, memories. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shiny light or something. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I guess I, I, I was always in, in, intrigued. My, my mom, I wrote in that book that she was there in like, in like 71 or something like that with the Volvo. But I don't think it was much past that point that she brought. Uh, us as kids at that point too so it was way early in the story but i i couldn't pinpoint a year i know that um let's see she said 71 i graduated in 76 uh when were you born so somewhere between those two 59 uh-huh uh-huh and so i was there um i i don't know um, I think that Suzuki might have already passed away, or my earliest but, recollection is I thought I did see him there once. I thought he was there once when I was a really little kid. Well, if you came in 71, you, you, you had a good chance to have seen him in the guest season. He was there quite a bit of the time in the guest season in 71, and he died December 4th of 71. Yeah, so so I'm not certain that I did, but I, I, I have a vague sense that I, I might have been there once and he was walking the path in the other direction or something like that. But also, I also read so many of his lectures and stuff like that, so it's like his words are in my head. So did he say them? Did I hear them? I don't know. But somewhere in that interval, I, I guess the the first person that I knew was Tommy Dorsey was the, the first person that I sort of, New on a you know cross year basis um, there and then at Page Street. So he sort of like so this is and Catherine Thanis was the the other person that I knew from both places. I knew her from both Tassara and from San Francisco. So those were the two people that kind of I had continuity with over you know five or ten year period. I guess um, through the eighties. Yes, I was corresponding with Tommy or through. Um, I guess 83 or 84, something like that. Then sort of I, I end up um, traveling and seeing the world kind of thing. So we ended up not corresponding at that point. But yeah, so that was pretty much my thing. I, I did a, a stint there. I guess that's the right word for it. I thought I was going to be a monk. So I, I did uh, end up, I spent about four weeks back in 76. I just graduated. I was like, what should I do with myself? Like, I'll... I'll you know, I'll go to Tassahara and be a monk. And so I did give it my best for about four weeks. And I realized it was at four o'clock in the morning. And, and no, this is definitely not my idea. That was my mom's dream, <laughs> not my dream. But you know, I was lucky to figure that out early enough to go, no, no. Then I traveled, which was my dad's dream. So <laughs> and I was like, no, that's not me either. Nope, nope. So, uh. so yeah, I have nothing but the most, the fondest of memories of, of, you know, both working and also of, being a, a guest in the cabin, so it was a wonderful, good full circle. Yeah, well, uh, you know, anything further you want to say about all that, uh, I'd be happy to hear. Like, uh, how old were you when you first went there? See, 59, 60. I would have been, yeah, yeah, I would have been about 13 or 14. Yeah, yeah, uh, I was young, but I. I I don't know. I just I fell in love with Tassaras. It's the 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 different way of approaching life, the the different diet, the the beauty of the place, without a doubt. The hot springs, the smell of sulfur water, I and mean, like all the those things were so mm, profoundly intermixed into my own sort of worldview. Like I said, I I I kept a big box of the wind bells. Um, I still have a handful of those in different boxes here. I, I, I read a lot of the stuff. I have two copies of Zuki Roche's books. I've got a stack of your books and next to his books. And also like, I don't know. It just, it, it was a magical place for our family as a whole, mm. not just for my mom, but, but we had different connections with it. Each of us. So my sibs were younger and, you know, less, 
you know, um, weren't as influenced by the guests as I was. So I was like, ooh, this is an amazing way of looking at the world. And um, Well, um, if you came in 71, uh, then uh, we would have met. Um, because I, I met your mother in 71. Yeah. She was there. And and I, I, I met, you know, I was back in uh, uh, the summers of uh, 74 and 75. Uh, and, you know, as I recall, she was there then. I mean, because, uh, but, you know, I really don't know what are real memories and what uh, are just planted in my mind from all that I've read and heard from people and everything. So. Yeah. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> I, I think it was a little late in 71. I think that's why I was like, well, I don't know if I saw Suzuki or just somebody who, you know, may have been affiliated with the, may have been a visitor from, from Japan or something like that. The, the personage of, it was being much appreciated, but it wasn't necessarily him. So a male, a male person, that's all. I think uh, I was worried 72 or 73 was my guess. I don't uh, think we went the very first trip. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's just a, I don't I don't have anything. I, I can't anchor it more specifically in time. I remember making the trip. It was kind of wild, but being a kid, you know, I was like, oh, there's a cliff. Hmm, go figure. Huh. And and yeah. uh, that's really neat that... that uh, you got uh, close to Isan, uh, Tommy Dorsey. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. He's one of the most uh, loved people from, well, back then. Oh, uh, and, um, uh, but, you know, did he actually write you? Oh, absolutely. I've got a couple of his postcards on my office wall at school. I said to him, one of the ones when the, when the plum tree went east meets west and the such and such, I don't remember the quote exactly, you know, and then it's got his lovely handwriting on the back. And uh, Send me a scan, would you? Okay. Yeah. It's a lovely. Because uh, uh, um, he didn't uh, write much. Uh, hmm. You I know? Mean, yeah. So that's sort uh-huh. of neat. Um, yeah. And Catherine, Catherine also. uh uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Well, that's really nice. You were close with them. Yes, I miss them. We lost Tommy too soon. Uh, yeah, he was an incredibly gentle soul and a very, um, I like the word ambulant, but I think that suits like, you definitely could see and, and see place for joy. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. A neat, a neat, almost, but not quite material, but definitely ambulant. Ha <laughs> ha. He uh, he had uh, it seemed to me a good insight into people. He and I lived together at Tassahara. Uh, uh, how long? Well, mm, a year or I don't know. Uh, and that was great. Uh, I had the back room, you know, in one of those uh, cabins that you know had the front room and the back room and the, and then the toilet room and back. That sink. Uh-huh. And he was in the yeah. front and I was in the back. Uh, maybe in the guest season, you know, we had to double up. We might have been in the same one. Uh, but it was great because, um, he was uh, so maternal, you know, um, I'd mm-hmm. wake up in the morning and he'd have hot chocolate and a cookie ready for me. <laughs> <laughs> a little tiny yeah. cookie uh, before his eyes in. And I know I used to say to people that it seemed to me that Tommy had periods, too. He'd, he'd get real bitchy about <laughs> once a month. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he did have his like, bitchy streak. But he also did the same thing. He would go over across the street when the pastry, you'd go across the street to where the stuff was starting to come back with the, the Ben and Jerry's, like the ice cream sandwiches. Uh-huh. It was one of his, like he he had a key to something or other where they were skeptical. Oh, I got one for you. I was like, oh, thanks. So oh, I did come into the city with some regularity and spend you know, the do an overnight there and then uh, on my way to wherever I was going. So that was kind of cool. Huh. Oh, that's neat. That's neat. So, um, well, just keep going. Just tell me anything you want to tell me. Um, your life then. 
Uh, um, yeah. How, how did it progress? But where were you born? San Francisco. Uh huh. Uh huh. And is that where you grew up? Yeah, the first ten years were in in, San, in the Bay Area, and then we moved south to the Salinas Valley, and that's how we ended up in Gonzales, and then that's how she ended up talking from people from Watsonville and other places, and you know, eventually located Tassajara via those different conversations. She's like, "Where's this place that people keep talking about?" So, yeah, so that's oh. how we did that. Then uh, I got a scholarship to Central America when I was sixteen um, as a senior in high school. And it was at the summer of my senior year, came back. Then I worked. Um, Where in Central in America? Um, Honduras. Ah. Uh-huh. In Tegucigalpa, the capital, was where, where I was located. And did that and came back and then saved my money and then went back to Central America again because I really enjoyed the traveling. Went from um, Honduras all the way through. We took the bus. My best friend and I, we took the bus from Honduras through Nicaragua the night before the Scandinavians closed the border. So I was like, I was like, machine guns and stuff. And I was like, we we're so young. They're like, stay in the hotel, do not go out into the streets. I'm like, okay, to say so. Then the next day, the bus driver was scared and we got out of Nicaragua. Like, then boom. Wow. The so it's like pretty lucky. Then now we went to, stayed in Costa Rica for about six months. That was a, awesome. There was a family that was affiliated with the, um, foreign exchange students that hosted me in Honduras. And so we stayed with another family in central, in Costa Rica for about six months. And then we stayed in Panama for another six months, almost. So about a year all told. It was great. And wow. I came back in, um, in 80, oh, 79, I guess it was, yeah, 78, must have been 78. Um, went back to school in Cabrillo College for one semester, then the Maritime Academy for four years, then San Francisco, then out to the South Pacific, <laughs> then then back. South and, Pacific, where? Um, the island was called Tinian, so it's the actually where they loaded the atomic bomb. Uh, that was the the load site for that. Um, T- tell me plane. the name of the island again. Tinian, T I N A N Tinian T A N I A N Tinian 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 Island. It's off of Guam. Oh, are you saying that's where they loaded the atomic bomb for for uh, yeah. for uh, you, you know the the and on the Enola Enola Gay? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's correct. Wow. Uh, I I mean, there was nothing there when I was there. It was just like old, really old asphalt roads that were pretty much overgrown by the jungle. But um, but but the locals knew the story. So. Wow. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. Beautiful sea turtles. That's um, what I loved about the island: coral and sea turtles. So there was lots oh, of. Oh yeah, sea turtles are a prize in snorkeling and and uh, diving. Yeah. Uh. Yep. There was a place that you could go. There were a couple of little small bays off the west side of the island. So you, I would take a moped and angle my way back on those old um, service roads for the where the base used to be. But the roads were there, but nothing else was there. Then you just like go to the jungle, and maybe there's a bit suddenly a cliff, and you're like, "Wow, that's cool!" You look down in the water, and there'd be the a sea turtle with a baby. Sea turtle is swimming along, just doing their wow. thing. Wow, so, that was amazing. Wow, yeah, I saw a really big one come up on a beach here. Uh, actually, we're over at um, Seminyak, which is you know a very popular beach. You go there about w- once every year. Uh, and, um, a really big one came up and then people came out and turned it around and made it go back in the water. Maybe it was coming in to lay eggs and they were telling it, no, this is not a good place. You know, you gotta Uh, go go to a place where there aren't so many people. Um, but I didn't know what I just, I just watched that happen. Uh, they are amazing. They're so Agile in the water. I was always sort of so amazed. Uh, and the interplay between the, the I'm presuming the mom turtle, I, I don't know that for certain, but the larger parent turtle, sing, singular, and the and the younger sea turtle was just really neat because the light would go through the water. I would just sit there for several hours. Mm. Uh, on the toes over the edge of a cliff just watching the Pacific Ocean slosh back and forth, and these two were out in this little miniature bay just doing their thing. It was mm. really cool. 
Turtle preservation is a big thing here. We just had dinner on the beach last night right next to a turtle preservation place. Um, uh, you know, uh, they because it's so dangerous now, I mean, it's so difficult with so many people, they let young turtles uh, get bigger there and then put them in the ocean. And um, they get pretty well funded. There's there's uh, a number of them on the island, and there's laws against uh, catching turtles for food, and, you know, people get caught and uh, arrested for it. Um, but um, I've I've seen a turtle in the water a few times. Kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the the South Pacific was an interesting, lots of coral and octopus, all sorts of cool things underwater. So I, I did some diving, lots of snorkeling. Then uh, then I ended up back in on the East Coast and trying to figure out what to do. So I was, I was hired by a vineyard in, in New Jersey for a while. I was there for all told of five years, but about halfway up that, about two and a half years in, I started going back to Rutgers, and that's when I got my um, a non-matriculated minor in psychology because I decided I wanted to go back to grad school. Um, but but as, as a graduate of the Maritime Academy, I, I didn't have a single single class in psychology. So they said you you seem like a great guy, but you don't have a single class in psychology. So to make yourself competitive in the at the graduate level, you have to have a minor in psychology. So it took me two and a half years, and I did that, and then. Um, Stony Brook out on Long Island was where I went for my PhD, and mm, I'm not a big city person. I think I was in the in New York City twice in the four years I was out on Long Island. So I was like not a fan. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm much more of the trees and, and trees and woods, which didn't exist out on Long Island. You know, we went to the park and. It was a well-regarded local park, and it's a, like three acres with lots of old white pines, 150 years old, but under every tree was a human being. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, it's so like not like Mount Tamalpais, you know, like absolutely not at all. There was like no privacy anywhere ever, so uh-huh. claustrophobia. But I was uh-huh. eager to be off that island and, or, yeah, and on my way. So went from there to, to Buffalo, did my internship in Buffalo, and then ended up here in, in uh, Michigan. I was hired straight off the assembly line, I guess. You you went to Michigan because there was a job, probably, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I got a tenure track a position offered. I had a p- couple of postdocs, and then I had the tenure track, and I was like, well, I could do a postdoc for two years and then be back on the tenure track looking for a job or just take this job. It's like, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it for it, yeah. I mean, I was going to do some interesting postdoc work in particular with neuropsychology. I had some pretty good things lined up. Um, so it was a tough trade because I, I thought I was going clinical and I'd be, um, certified. You have to do an additional 2000 hours after you finish your graduate program. And I was just like, okay, I'll do that. But in taking this job, I had to forego the additional clinical opportunities. And so I, I did research and teaching and I've, I've come to love the teaching. You know, it's, it's, it's its own form of like group therapy every semester a new group of people it's capped at 20. So mm. I've gotten pretty good at it. But, um, mm. So I didn't really end up like not doing therapy, just doing it in a different way. But, mm. So yeah, I, I do. I love my job. I love the, I don't think you get a better job than this getting paid to, to think and meet amazing people that have lots of questions. And ah, that's yeah, great. It's, it's one heck of a gift. Yeah, it is really is. You're in the right place doing the right thing. Yeah. That's oh good. yeah, sometimes you get lucky and you fall backwards into something and you're just like, I didn't know it, but wow. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, um do you have anything more you want to share? Uh, oh, well when I told my wife that I was yakking with you, I sent her the picture of Quiet and she goes, You're all set and I was like, I don't know what to say. She goes, Oh, tell them about your word. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well so we have a tradition going back, I don't know, about ten years here where um, Laura was yakking with a friend, and the, that friend a couple ten years ago said, "You know what? Well, we we don't make like New Year's resolutions. What we do is pick a word, and then we try to live that word for a year." And so, I don't remember, but a couple six years ago, I couldn't just pick one. So I did grace and gratitude and intentionality and and drop your rocks. 
which is like to let go of things and move on. And so, but since I had four of them, I do this for three years. And then, uh, and then last year I shifted to lead with grace after the sort of COVID experience. And I can share some examples of actually living that way. And then this year I was looking for a new word and I was kind of hooked on the, the North star, but I couldn't convert it. And then I was like, Oh, well, yeah, the North star was my idea of like finding some quiet and That's uh, great. doing my fun, my fundraiser quiescence is a funny word. One of the um, invasive species that we're dealing with is a particular fungus. Um, it goes underground and it has this peculiar thing they observed back in 1962. One of the citations said these early researchers that this thing goes underground has a period of quiescence. And I was like, oh, I like that word, but I like it in the context of sort of opening yourself up to to the opportunity for some quiet. So I, I get up, as you know, at like four in the morning and I'm often just quiet or working on a poem or doing something artistic and working in this particular 2023 will be sort of trying to, you can't really be intentional about quiescence exactly, but <laughs> you put yourself in the right place and, and the right time for it. So <laughs> That's good. I know you get up early because you and I communicated yeah. so much in that book, an enormous <laughs> amount. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, that was quite a learning experience. Now, uh, I know how to do all that stuff really cheap and quick, but um, uh, that was a uh, quite a learning experience. But let you know, I, you and I would be communicating. I go, my God, this is you know, this is like four fifteen in the morning for him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I loved reading that. It was amazing. I thought you did a such an amazing job of like maintain the integrity of the, of the original book, but also adding so much depth to it or converting it to a, an actual thing. It's, I, I really, I do literally, when I'm sitting at my desk, it's right there to my left. There's all the bookends and there's that book. It's like right in the middle of them. And I often send you, like I said, a, a shout out, like, thanks a lot, man, for like converting this otherwise impossible to be done kind of task. No one could do what you did. You know how to do it. So yeah. It, 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 it's a beautiful book. It was interesting the way it, it evolved is I, you know, I, I got hold of Leslie at James Burke, Leslie James, who's yeah. been the, she's the, um, what do they call it? She's sort of like the habit of Tassar, but they use another term. I, I, I don't try to keep up with all that stuff. Uh, I mean, I, I hear it, uh, you know, uh, but anyway, uh, I told her, I said, Leslie, it, it, you know, I've just been thinking so much. It's one of these things I've been thinking about for years is, uh, Marilyn McDonald's scrapbook in the office. And, um, you know, uh, really, uh, it, 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 I, I, can you go out and scan that thing for me? I want to get it online. It shouldn't be there in the office because Zen Center loses things. Zen Center doesn't, is not good at continuity or preservation of that type. And, um, she said, well, funny you'd say that, David. There was a guy who just did that. And what's his name? The guy who, who knew Marilyn. Yeah. Mark, right? Was it Mark? Mark something or other? Yeah. Oh my I'm God. Sure. This is terrible. He deserves more credit than that. Um, well, yeah. He's the one that talked to my mom into putting that book in the Bancroft Library. So <laughs> that introduced some complexities. But yeah, I'm sure he was well intended. Yeah, but he he did scan it beforehand. That's true. And um, so he it was his idea to uh, make a. Um, like a print-on-demand mm -hmm. book, he'd done that with one thing, but and so yeah. I got in touch with you. I think L Leslie told gave me your contact. Did were you in touch with Leslie? Yeah. Any? No, not then only he briefly. did. Like I think it was like when we, you and I were trying to figure it out, and and he did too. Yeah, yeah. He 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 got me in touch with you because I got in touch with him, and I said, oh, I'm really interested yeah. in that. And his idea was just to use the scans of the book as it is and make it into a print-on-demand book. Uh, and I looked at it, and and you then it was 
who is you and I were in contact, and I wrote you a note. I said, this is in no yeah. way ready to be a print-on-demand book. And he was, he was, we heard his feelings. Um, yep, that's uh, correct. Uh, because, you know, he backed out of the project then. And then Peter got involved, Peter Ford, who really, yeah. It, yeah. you know, if, if you look at the Who Are We on Cuke Archives, he's the managing director, I think it's called now. Yeah. And I'm on special projects. Uh, and, um, oh God, he does a lot. But, uh, I mean, daily. We are multi- we're in contact multiple times every day. Uh, <laughs> any day we're not in contact is an unusual day. But and and uh, he's a really great detail person. I I can be, but I'm I'm sort of scatterbrained. And uh, and I don't know. You're you're really sharp. Um, and so the three of us, you know put it together as good as we could. And it was, it was a nightmare for me because I'd never done layout like that for a book. And I was using a Microsoft word, which is not the way to do it. I know now. Uh, <laughs> and so then yeah. I, uh, Andrew main had been involved with, uh, with, uh, you know, creating books and stuff and helping people. And, and, uh, he was a guy who, uh, I'd known from Zen Center who had, had worked on the whole earth catalog and, and in that, with that crowd. And uh, maybe, uh, and, 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 uh, and he'd been a, uh, you know, as soon as I started, uh, com back actually at the end of 98, he was there, you know, sending me notes, you know, uh, this is misspelled or, or, whatever, or making, you know, suggestions. So I sent him a PDF of the book, and he just lambasted it. It was like, it was like what I had said about what Mark wanted. You can't put this on. This is, you know, a piece of garbage. You have to get this in order. And after that, uh, uh, then he, he, you know, with us all working together, and uh, we brought it up to a higher level, uh, and yeah. the, and the four of us had enormous amounts of uh, contact for a long. God, that went on a long time, uh, and you know, the I stayed up two nights in a row. I mean, I did not sleep. Uh, Katrinka was in America, getting it. Already the last time, uh, God, to go up, um, man. And, um, you know, um, the, the David Rogers really is the person who knows the most about Tassara history. Uh, and, um, he's written a number of things. They're on cuke.com. He, he put together a scrapbook that he showed Marilyn. And, uh, you know, he'd, he'd really gotten into all that early history and stuff. And, and his scrapbook is giant. It has, and it's on cuke.com now. Uh, he updated it like last year or something. And so it's a really good update, but his de- doesn't uh, get into people like hers does and isn't presentable yeah. as an ongoing story. It's just like every newspaper clipping. There ever was, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, wow. Have you seen that? I'm not sure. Yeah, well, anyway, if you just go to the Tassara no. History Party, com, he's got on that. And when Marilyn saw that, she wanted to integrate things she learned from what he'd done into her book, but she never did it. And that... I think is something, I think there could be a, a new edition. I don't have time for it. I don't know when I ever uh-huh. would, but it's just yeah. something I think would be good to, um, uh, hers has a sense of story and continuity and, and all the interviews with people is very personal yeah. 
His is more like yeah. uh, an archive of newspaper clippings and things. But, oh, but his articles are great. Um, there's like maybe five of them, you know, like one is uh, an article on the first stage in Tassara. It just, um, and the two, integrating the two would be great. And there's, um, there's other st- stuff happening. There's a woman who's, uh, doing, uh, a program for Zen Center called Tassara Tales. And she gets in and, 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 and David will come on and help. And, um, I've, I've participated in, in one of them, uh, uh, and, and she gets into the, you know, the geology and to the Indian history and all sorts of uh-huh. stuff. And I'm working on a book called Tassahara really cool. Stories, uh, to, uh-huh. it, but it's just about the, the early Zen Center period. Anyway, uh, so I just wanted to say there is, uh, for pre-Zen Center Tassahara history, I think there, there can be a second edition. Uh, you know, really interesting at some point, maybe if you redistribute the workload. Yeah. Yeah. We went over everything so carefully, and especially with Andrew involved, it's like fonts yeah. and margins and the way things lined up. And oh, yeah, he was he was amazing. The spacing at the bottom of a thing, and whether that's a M dash or an N dash or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, oh, all wow. these details. He was amazing. Yeah, he was, yeah. and he was a taskmaster. You know, of space. The space was wrong with the distance between here and there. And you're like, wow, I didn't even see that. And you're like, yeah. And you're like, yeah, damn. Microsoft Word kept putting in the wrong spacing between the lines and stuff. And you're like, I can't get it to behave. So, yeah, you're like, nope, another error. Oh, there's, there's, um, and you know, the, the, uh, laptop I was working with was like t- two laptops ago. <laughs> well, maybe it was my prior PC. It wasn't, it wasn't, Big, you know, the one, the PC I got after that was like way stronger, faster, uh, <clears throat> had more room, uh, you know, bigger hard drive and everything. Toward the end of that book, I could hard, I had to wait so long for everything to save and everything. Um, it was like, it was like I was doing it on a, uh, a rickety old model that, that really <laughs> yeah. could yeah. hardly handle it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But, uh, it worked. Uh, yeah. Good. Well, well that's a great relief. Thank you. Yeah. That too. No, uh, truly. I, I learned a lot too. Like you said, it's learning experience. Well, it's the same thing for me. So. And I, and in the end, I, my, my summary of the book was that the, a tale of many hearts. At the heart of the story is the tale of many hearts. That was my 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 bumper sticker for it. So because each of the people that invested someone to their their I want this to work or you know this is my dream or my how it ought to go or how it could go from Mrs. Quilty on or you know on forward and backwards and so including each of the guests that she interviewed. So in the end, each person brought she managed to I think to to do something kind of neat by capturing some small piece of what it was that this thing meant to them. And that was her her inquiry. Why why you why are you here? Kind of thing. So, I thought at the heart of the story is the story of many hearts. That was my conclusion, and I I like that about that book. That's very nicely it, it said. It, hmm. Yeah. Well, it doesn't have pretensions. It, it doesn't take itself to be too serious. You know, it's 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 a story about a, a place, but it doesn't pretend to be the Britannica Encyclopedia or something. It, it's a it's it's a, a qualitative sort of. Endeavor of love. I mean, she really loved Tassahar and she really wanted to know more too. So, it mm. fed her and fed us, and you you did such a magical job with it. So it's, it 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 is what it is, but it's it's really something to be proud of. Like I'm happy for her. I'm glad we were able to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I certainly didn't do it by myself. Each one of you, you were really good at details. Um, uh, I I miss things, but. You know, with the three of you, uh, yeah, that didn't matter because you all would catch it if I didn't. Uh, yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. Well, that was great. And, um, yeah. Uh, oh, and then, um, 
You know, the uh, very prestigious book club in San Francisco did that event uh, that yeah. David Rogers went to and spoke. And your uh-huh. sister, yeah. your, who lives in where, Novato? Yeah. Um, yeah, she was living in Novato at that time. She's in Portland now, finishing up a master's in fine arts um, ah. um, of writing. So she's following her following her passions a bit. But at that point, she was still doing the writing thing um, from North Bay, and she did she um, she did go into the city and did some readings, and she had a little poster and stuff like that. So they were very kind and receptive to her. Yeah, that's I think it's called the Book Club of California, and it, it's yeah, it's right. like over a hundred years old. And I'm a member yeah. of the Institute for Historical Studies, uh, which is a uh, well, they say their their headquarters are in San Francisco. They have no headquarters, incidentally. They say they're located in San Francisco, but it, sometimes I think it's really a Berkeley organization that was sort of started so that uh, independent historians could get nonprofit uh, uh, status. And it's my huh. it's my secular fiscal sponsor. Uh, ah. Like, there's a, a very noble gentleman that uh, makes a, a nice uh, donation uh, every year to uh, Cuke Archives, and he works for Genetech, and they can't, he can't give to um, a uh, religious organization. Uh, so I use um, the uh, Institute for Historical Studies for him, and it was my original one. Uh, but then the Pacific Zen Institute, which has nothing to do with Suzuki's lineage. Uh, it's, uh-huh. it's just a, a Zen group I'm close to, and it's small. Uh, they they did it. Uh, but um, the, the Book Club of California is like, it's, a, you know, it, it's like, uh, and, and the Institute for Historical Studies, uh, to be associated with them was uh, an honor, because that's serious uh, historians. Uh, yes, I agree. I think um, yep, he was, the, the gentleman was incredibly gracious and uh, yeah, kind to both my sister and David too. So yeah, that it's a member of the IHS that that arranged it, um, and he's um, oh, he got all sorts of books to put in libraries, and it was very nice of him. Uh, really appreciated it. Hmm. I'll, uh, I'll dig his name up and stick it in here. Uh, because I should, uh, yeah. honor him. Well, all right. Now, um, uh, is there anything else you would, uh, like to touch on? Uh, there's really no, uh, no limit to what you can talk about. <laughs> no, I, I guess so. Hmm. You think we've we've covered enough ground here? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't. I, think, I mean, I pretty much so. And in the in the sense of you know, just expressing my gratitude and you know, yeah, I, I can't say that enough. I was an honor working with you, and you've been incredibly um, patient. Patient. <laughs> I had a lot to learn, and you all were patient yeah, with like, me. Library of Congress things and all these complexities with the oh, yeah. doing this and that and something else. And oh my gosh, it's just been a, a, a learn, lots of learning experiences. But oh, we navigated it and things are I think, going pretty well. So oh yeah, learning experience. Well, thanks for bringing that up. First, <laughs> we made a nice book and actually printed books, which uh, you know, cost money, and then uh. Learn things about that. Like if a book comes back, they charge you at the cost of the book to restock it. And, um, you know, it's in a warehouse. It's, oh, God, that was expensive. Oh, that. And so, and, and, and we couldn't get out of, out of that. There was like yeah. a year and a half or something. We had to be involved with, with them when they made actual books. Uh, a friend of mine in publishing had recommended them. They're real good. But, you know, 
that this was a book that had a limited market and and also we did, there was no promotion there was no advertising yeah uh so as soon as uh i could i made it into a amazon well i made it into a print of print on demand book uh to go on kdp which you know is amazon yeah. and uh ingram uh yeah. Which is a stroke of genius, but yeah, well, a lot of doing to make that happen. So that now I've got five print-on-demand books, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, three of no, one, two of mine, one of uh, a friend. Oh, three of mine. One, one uh, of um, a friend's poetry from here, an American uh, Buddhist monk who just called me. Right now, I just hit no. Sorry, he's calling me again. No, decline. Um, and um, but anyway, so for those, I learned <laughs> you don't have to spend yeah. much of anything. <laughs> uh huh. But um, the, of course, the ones that were made by the the uh, the company that did it were higher quality, but the, the others are fine. Uh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was boy, and that all the things to learn in all that, and you know, my my attitude was I don't want to learn all this stuff, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I had to. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Necessity is the mother of invention, or something like that. <laughs> right, and that's true in in you know the websites and blogs and podcasts, audio but You know, I've made three audio books now. I just keep. Having to learn things, uh, and I like. <laughs> there's in Japan they've got a phrase I forget now: lifelong learning. Uh, and uh, yeah, and but sometimes I go, okay, can I have a break? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you've, you're definitely agile and, and active. So, well, you, go you man, like that's amazing. Um. I loved your description when we started off of the of the classes you've got. And um, uh, look, I'll, as soon as I can uh, get uh, to a stopping point, I'll come take one of your classes in Michigan. Yeah. Well, I'd always be glad to share the syllabus with you or any of the readings because that's where the you know, the process is. But yeah, that'd be lovely. I mean, truly. Yeah. All right. Really neat experience because a lot of fun. Yeah. Well. It's, it's really been you. good so talking I'm with by your you. Invitation. Huh? Yeah, ditto. I really appreciate it. I'm honored by your invitation for the conversation because I know you're busy. Oh, well, I appreciate your agreeing to it. It seemed to me a neat thing to add to the podcast. Uh, you have a unique uh, place in the, you know, it's, look, it's, I, I call it Cuke Archives, uh, like, doing our part to preserve the legacy of Shunryu Suzuki and those whose paths cross his. So, um, and I have a wide understanding of, of all that. So you have yeah. a unique role in, in this, uh, this saga. It is, it is a kind of neat to, it certainly built a lot inside me. Like I internalized a lot of those experiences in the, a lot of the wisdom and the, you know, that way of looking at the world. So not only my mom benefited, but so did I as a, yeah, you know, I just loved it. It suited me just really well. So yeah. And we've benefited from you. So I appreciate it. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. Well, you take care and we'll be in touch now and then. And, uh, yeah. Ditto. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll reach out to you if something comes this way. But it was a pleasure talking to you, and, and I'll, I'll look forward to talking again in the future. Yeah. So take care, Larry. Have, have a wonderful day ahead of you, and I'll, I'll thanks again. Yeah. T- take care. Bye. Bye bye. Huh? Bye. So thank you most kindly, Larry Burns. Uh, really appreciate it. That was interesting. It was nice reminiscing with you. Uh, and uh, I look forward to uh, 
our future engagements. You're still the postmaster of Cuke Archives. And um, uh, I, I'm sure you will be available uh, for other uh, advice and counsel. Uh, oh, yeah, you, you, you were one of the people who picked your favorite uh, vignettes for Zenis right now, which helped me to decide which vignettes to use by seeing what some others thought. So, so uh, until next time, this is D.C. Poobah of Cuke Archives and Cuke Audio. Coming to you from Sleepy Sonur with Doggy Bandita, Feline Cuchita, and dear lovely Katrinka. And we're wishing you and yours and all of us a grand awakening.